Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Bible Study, presented by Bishop James Long and sponsored by the United States Old Catholic Church. And now your host, Bishop James Long. live everywhere on our Spreaker. We're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, and uh, TikTok. I hope that I push the right buttons. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things you just don't know. Like, cross your fingers. Uh, so hello, 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 hello. I appreciate everybody being here today. So let me just kind of give you an update. Uh, yeah, I, again, uh, if I seem a little frazzled, uh, I, I am. Uh, today started, uh, the, the day started at 4 a.m., 4 a.m. this morning. And uh, I just sat down uh, a couple minutes right before the show, uh, the presentation. Uh, it has been, man, it has been crazy, crazy, crazy. So I just got home uh, from the hospital doing chaplaincy, and uh, but we're here. We're here, and that's. I'm glad that you're here with us, right? Uh, today we're going to be doing Bible study. So let me just kind of give you a little bit of a... a I don't know, uh, some guidelines, if you will, some pleasant guidelines. So folks, everybody, I just ask that you just be kind to one another. It's pretty simple. We ask no spamming, uh, no demonic names uh, in any of the chat rooms. Pretty simple. Um, And also tonight is Bible study. So we don't entertain paranormal questions. Uh, And that's not because we're being rude or disrespectful. It's because people, this is their church for a lot of folks. And so they come here and uh, they want to hear about the Bible and they want to learn about the Bible. And so uh, Mondays and Mondays and Fridays, we, we talk all day long about the paranormal and, and ask your, ask, ask questions. I'll give you the answers. Well, we have a great time. Uh, but on, on, on Sundays and Wednesdays, uh, it's strictly dedicated to Bible study. Okie dokie. Now, um, now, keep in mind, uh, nope, 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 I, I don't block anybody. I don't block anybody. Uh, I'm, I don't have time to block people. So please don't come on TikTok and you block me. And folks, I don't have time to block people. Understand, I have two computers that I run on this presentation. I'm looking at this computer here for TikTok. And then I'm looking at this big computer that I have here for Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Spreaker. I, I don't have time to look at the uh, chats on every single chat. Plus, people are are slamming me with with instant messages on on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I, I so guys, please understand. 
that TikTok is one chat. I have five chats open. You should see the setup. It's kind of crazy. Uh, so I'm being, and on Spreaker as well. So people get a little frustrated because I don't answer the question. It's not because I'm being rude. It's just because I'm only one person and I have five chat rooms open at the same time. So I can only do so much. Uh, so just just bear that in mind. Um, you know, we do the best we can. That's, 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 uh, and, and again, if you're going to come in and be disrespectful, you're going to be, you're going to be blocked. Um, that's it, you know? Um, okay. So I am Bishop James Long with the United States Old Catholic Church. Uh, for those of you who are new, um, yeah, um, so for those of you who are new here, I studied for the Roman Catholic priesthood for six years, but decided to join the Old Catholics. Uh, if you want to know about the Old Catholic Church, uh, people always ask the same question about it. Uh, here's what you need to do. Go to the church's website, usocc.org. There you go, usocc.org. And that will, that's it, you know. Uh, so already, good grief. Let me just block this guy for, he's heresy, 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 heresy. Good grief. <sighs> anyway, um, <laughs> oh boy, I tell you, the people, they, they, you just, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, Oh, you're very welcome, and I appreciate you being here. I, I truly do. Um, well, I don't block, but when you call some, when you call someone a heretic, especially clergy, who's trying to come in and teach about the Bible, yeah, and, and a person like that, I will block them, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, because I'm clergy, that doesn't mean I'm a punching bag. That doesn't mean that I, I'm going to allow someone to disrespect me or disrespect anybody else in the chat room. So this idea that because you're clergy, you're just gonna you're just gonna take the abuse. No, no, I won't. Uh, any more than um, than I am disrespectful to you guys because uh, I'm not. It just let's just be kind to one. Why can't we just be kind to one another? Why is that so darn hard? I don't get it. I just I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, okay, Miss Wilma. Uh, Miss Wilma is, uh, I, she might be listening. I'm not for sure. Uh, I don't have it set up to where she can call in. Uh, but Miss Wilma uh, had her uh, Omicron um, shot, uh, her the vaccine. And um, the, the shots kind of make, because, you know, she has multiple sclerosis and she's not well anyway. And, you know, she, God love her. She doesn't do well with the shots, with the vaccines at all. It just really takes her down. Although I think she was watching TV, so she must be doing better. Um but, you know, it just it just kind of makes her tired and not feeling that great. But anyway, um, I think she'll be just, just fine. She'll, so hopefully she'll be with us uh, this Sunday uh, for Bible study and, of course, our open, uh, open mic on Monday. Okay. Uh, and for those of you who are on, on, on TikTok who are clicking that, um, uh, boy, I tell you what, we, I unblocked a lot of people uh, just to be kind, and already trolls have come out and being so disrespectful on TikTok. But you, know, you try to be nice to people, and then what do they do? There's some people that are just there's just some people that no matter what you do, no matter what you do, they're just bound and determined to be rude. That's it. They're just bound and determined. That's just the way they are. And uh, so, thank you very much. I appreciate that for the universe. It's very very kind of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
Okay. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about that. Uh, for those of you who are liking this video on TikTok, uh, thank you for doing that. Uh, so let's keep pushing that screen. Uh, we're trying to get the, the TikTok account verified. And the reason being is because there's a lot of people uh, who have created fake TikTok accounts using my name and my picture. And I reported them a million times, but for some reason they don't, they're not getting taken down. So um, it, the, the more lights we have, that's it. Uh, there was a guy who you know, does Santa Claus. Um, and gosh, he had 2 million likes, 2 million uh, on, on one of his lives. I'm thinking, well, certainly we can, get, hopefully we can get a hundred thousand, you know, let's, let's, that's, that's the go. Um, yeah. Keyboard. Yeah. Keyboard courage. That's what it's called. All right, everybody. So let's get into our Bible study. Well, thank you very much. Uh, is it Bruno? Uh, Bruni? Sorry. Uh, I have lost a lot of weight. Uh, yep. Although I didn't get to walk today. I couldn't walk today because I've, I've been busy with ministry. I just, but that's okay. That's okay. Tomorrow I'll make up for it. I'll do, I'll do, uh, I'll do double time tomorrow. Uh, I am walking. I, I normally walk. Well, thank you for the universe again. It's very kind of you. Um, I, I walk uh, s- about five miles a day. So I, I like to walk every day, every day. That's important. It's like my, it's like my meditation. Um, thank you, Eddie. And, and, you know, you, you definitely do something good for yourself too. Uh, because when I walk, that's my time to get away from the stress, the frustrations of life, um, just everything. Just, just get, get away. Just get away from everything. And just kind of, you know, be with God and uh, just reflect. And it's also it's my time to work out too. So it, it's, um, but it's also sometimes, it's interesting how God, and we'll get, this is part of Bible study, um, because today is All Souls Day. Now, today is All Souls. So first of all, for those of you, most of us have lost someone who've passed on. Uh, today, the church celebrates All Souls, which I'll be talking about that on the top of the hour. Uh, for but We have night prayer tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you would like to join us, please be there around 945, 950. Uh, and uh, if you want, want us to pray for someone who has passed on, uh, just just simply be there. And all you got to do is go to bishopjameslong.com, L-O-N-G, bishopjameslong.com. Scroll down to the very bottom where it says night prayer and click it. And it takes you right to the night prayer. Now, if you want to chat with us, you might have to sign up for a free account, but it's that's no big deal. Uh, and that's at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard. Okay. And um, so tonight we dedicate our night prayer to those who have passed on. Our, our loved ones, our friends and, and relatives. Uh, well, no, no, it's, um, it's online. It's online. So it's at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tonight. And just simply go to bishopjameslong.com. Okay? And again, for those of you who are uh, offering um, the gifts on TikTok, I appreciate you doing that. But please understand that TikTok takes 70%. 70%. That's a lot. I didn't know that. But they take 70% out of the gifts. So uh, if you want to, um, if you want to make a donation to the ministry, uh, I, I would, that would be, that's, it's preferable that you just simply go to bishopjameslong.com and scroll down to the bottom where it says ministry expenses, uh, and uh, you can make a donation there. 
uh, and that way 100% of that goes to the to the funding the ministry uh, or to the cash app thing it's a dollar sign Bishop James Long and people always say, why do you have cash app again I'll say it very quickly and then I will move on because I don't get paid for clergy I, I, this is a free service I don't get paid at all as being a bishop it's 100% free and when I go to people's homes uh, to bless their homes I don't charge so I've got to pay for it somehow uh, Santa Claus doesn't send me a check so uh, that's why I do this. That's why I do this ministry, so I can get to people's homes. Uh, right now, I'm helping a young, uh, young lady, um, and uh, it's pretty sad because uh, she, she's a single mom, and uh, it, it, it breaks my heart what she's gone through. Uh, and so I've, I've helped her, thankfully. Uh, the family uh, that I did a, um, a Cancietta for, uh, they made a donation, and so I was able to help her April, so thank you for that. Uh, and um, to my friend Laura, howdy Laura, on TikTok. Okay, let's get into our, our Bible study, everybody. All right, our first reading this evening uh, is going to come from Second Maccabees. Okay, Second Maccabees, and it's going to be chapter 7. And then we're going to cover verses 1 through 2 and 9 through 14. All right, so I'll give you a little bit of time uh, to, uh, let's see, a bishop would be a direct, yeah, yeah, I have apostolic succession to Peter, uh, because the church, the Roman church says any church that has apostolic succession is considered validly Catholic. It's Dominus Jesus that was written by uh, St. Pope John Paul, and of course, um, Pope Benedict. And so I can show my apostolic uh, lineage uh, to our, to Peter. In other words, Peter laid hands upon this disciple, this disciple laid hands upon that disciple, and that's, that's valid apostolic succession. Okay? All right. Uh, first reading, 2 Maccabees, chapter 7, verse 1 through 2, and 9 through 14. However, let me just say this. To better understand our first reading— I'm going to read all of 2 Maccabees chapter 7. So just bear with me because it's important for me to explain this to you. Okay. So it happened that seven brothers with their mother were arrested and tortured with whips and scourges by the king to force them to eat pork in violation of God's law. One of the brothers, speaking for the other, said, What do you expect to achieve by questioning us? We are ready to die rather than transgress the laws of our ancestors. At that, the king, in a fury, gave orders to have pans and cauldrons heated. And while they were being quickly heated, he commanded his executioners to cut off the tongue of the one who had spoken for the others, to scalp him and cut off his hands and feet, while the rest of his brothers and mothers looked on. When he was completely maimed but still breathing, the king ordered them to carry him to the fire and fry him. As a cloud of smoke spread from the pan, the brothers and their mother encouraged one another to die bravely saying such words as these, The Lord God is looking on, and he truly is compassionate on us, as Moses declared in his canticle, when he protested openly with the words, and he will have pity on his servants. When the first brother had died in this manner, they brought the second to be made sport of. After tearing off the skin and hair of his head, they asked him, Will you eat the pork, rather than have your body tortured limb by limb? Answering in the language of his forefathers, he said, Never. So he too, in turn, suffered the same tortures as the first. At the point of death, he said, You accursed fiend, 
You are depriving us of the present life, but the king of the world will raise us up to live again forever. It is for his laws that we are dying. After him, the third suffered the cruel sport. He put out his tongue at once when told to do so and bravely held out his hands. As he spoke these noble words, it was from heaven that I received these. For the sake of his laws, I disdain them. From him, I hope to receive them again. Even the king and his attendants marveled at the young man's courage because he regarded his sufferings as nothing. After he had died, they tortured and maltreated the fourth brother in the same way. When he was near death, he said, It is my choice to die at the hands of men with a God-given hope of being restored to life by him. But for you, there will be no resurrection of life. They next brought forth the fifth brother and maltreated him. Looking at the king, he said, Since you have power among men, mortal though you are, do what you please. But do not think that our nation is forsaken by God. Only wait, and you will see how his great power will torment you and your descendants. After him, they brought the sixth brother. And when he was about to die, he said, Have no vain illusions. We suffer these things on our own account because we have sinned against our God. This is why such astonishing things have happened to us. Do not think then that you will go unpunished for having dared to fight against God. Most admirable and worthy of everlasting remembrance was the mother who saw her seven sons perish in a single day yet bore it courageously because of her hope in the Lord. Filled with a noble spirit that stirred her womanly heart with manly courage, she exhorted each of them in the language of their forefathers with these words, I do not know how you come into existence in my womb. It was not I who gave you the breath of life, nor was it I who set in the order of elements in which uh, each of you is composed. Therefore, since it is the creator of the universe who shapes each man's beginning, As he brings about the origin of everything, he, in his mercy, will give you back both breath and life, because you now disregard yourselves for the sake of his law. Antiochus, suspecting insult in her words, thought he was being ridiculed. As the youngest brother was still alive, the king appealed to him, not with mere words, but with promises of oath to make him rich and happy if he would abandon his ancestral customs. He would, of course, make him his friend and entrust him with high office. When the youth paid no attention to him at all, the king appealed to the mother, urging her to advise her boy to save his life. After he had urged her for a long time, she went through the motions of persuading her son. In derision of the cruel tyrant, she leaned over close to her son and said in their native language, Son, have pity on me, who carried you in my womb for nine months, nursed you for three years, brought you up, educated and supported you in your present age. I beg you, child." to look at the heavens and the earth and see all that is in them, then you will know that God did not make them out of existing things. And in the same way, the human race came into existence. Do not be afraid of this executioner, but be worthy of your brothers and accept death, so that in the time of mercy, I may receive you again with them. She had scarcely finished speaking when the youth said, What are you waiting for? I will not obey the king's command. I obey the command of the law given to our forefathers through Moses. But you, who have contrived every kind of affliction for the Hebrews, will not escape the hands of God. We indeed are suffering because of our sins. Though our living living Lord treats us harshly for a little while to correct us with chastisements, he will again be reconciled with the servants. But you, wretch, vilest of all men, do not in your insolence concern yourself with the unfounded hopes as you raise your hand against the children of heaven. You have not yet escaped the judgment of the Almighty and the all-seeing God. My brothers, after enduring brief pain, have drunk of never-failing life under God's covenant. But you, by the judgment of God, shall receive just punishments for your arrogance. Like my brothers, I offer up 
my body and my life for our ancestral laws, imploring God to show mercy soon to our nation and by afflictions and blows to make you confess that he alone is God. Through me and my brothers, there may be an end to the wrath of the Almighty that has justly fallen on the whole nation. And at that, the king became enraged and treated him even worse than the others since he bitterly resented the boy's contempt. Thus, he too died undefiled, putting all his trust in the Lord. The mother was last to die after her sons. Enough has been said about the sacrificial meals and the excessive cruelties. Wow. That's powerful. Let me explain a little bit because I need to explain this, okay? And thank you for tapping that screen. 63,000 likes. Thank you very much, TikTokers, and thank you, moderators. You guys are the best. Thank you. Um, so, and, and thank you, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. God love you, too. And Spreaker. The title of First and Second Maccabees are, is taken from the surname of Judas Maccabeus. Uh, First Maccabees, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, it, it, it's, he's the hero of the war of Jewish uh, independence against Syria. Now, the two books have separate authors. Okay, so the first book is thought to have originally been written in Hebrew, although only a Greek translation survives uh, by a Palestinian Jew around 100 uh, BC. Thank you very much. Um, for those, if I say thank you, it's probably someone offering a, a gift to, to the ministry. Now, the second book is believed to have been composed in Greek by an Alexandrian Pharisee. Uh, about 124 BC. So, uh, in fact, the second book was written before the first. Now, both books encompass a similar period in Jewish history. All right, the first book covering 175 to 135 BC, and the second covering 175 to 161 BC. Now, after the death of Alexander the Great in 323 BC, Egypt and Syria. Uh, contended over the possession of Palestine. And the kings of Egypt, known as the, uh, well, they were quite terrible, retained the overlordship over the Jews for over more than over 100 years. They treated the Jews mildly and permitted them to live undisturbed according to the law of Moses. Still, Greek habits and ideas were widely adopted in Palestine. So uh, Greek culture, which we know as Hellenism, uh, casting uh, its spell, especially over the higher classes. So in 198 BC, Antiochus II uh, conquered Palestine and incorporated with its uh, with his own kingdom. So the conqueror himself did not interfere with the religious life of the Jews. He left them alone. But his son and successor, Antiochus IV, who ruled from 175 to 164 BC, he tried to force paganism upon all its subjects. And in 170, he actually plundered the temple, and he killed many of the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So two years later, he threw a garrison into the citadel and ordered all Jews, under pain of death, to adopt pagan rites and customs. Okay? And, and a statue of Zeus was placed above the altar of burnt offerings, and an edict was issued ordaining uh, the placing up of heathens' altars in, in every town of Palestine. So many apostatized, uh, but also many preferred to suffer torture and even death rather than to go against the law of God. So the second book of Maccabees is important from a doctrinal point of view. It, uh, it aims at bringing out uh, strongly 
the re- religious lessons of the time, the book being written more as a sermon rather than a history. Uh, it includes such fundamental texts as that which um, uh, states that God created all things out of nothing, and that those which make it clear that the sacrifice of martyrs is, is a voluntary form of atonement which placates God's anger. So other texts lay, lay stress on the intercession of the saints and the value of prayers for the dead. Uh, again, as we talk today, it's All Souls Day uh, in the church. So let me just break this down. I'm not going to read all of it again. I'm just going to, only going to read chapter 7, verse 1 through 2, and 9 through 14. Okay? So 1 through 2 says, It happened that seven brothers with their mothers were arrested and tortured with whips and scourges by the king. Now, since the story is contrived for maximum impact, the chief uh, persecutor himself is addressed, okay, to force them to eat pork in violation of God's law. This is a part of the holiness code. The holiness code said you are not allowed to eat pork. Remember, the holiness code has 613 laws that you are required to follow in order to be in good graces with the Mosaic law. Uh, One of the brothers, speaking for the others, said, What do you expect to achieve by questioning us? We are ready to die rather than transgress the laws of our ancestors. So in other words, he's saying, look, you can question us all day long, and that's fine. But we're not. We are not going to walk away from this, and you're not going to force us either. Uh, Pretty powerful if you think about that. And then we're going to cover uh, verses 9 through 14. So I'm just going to read verses 9 through 14 uh, and explain that. Um. Let me follow it. Uh, At the point of his death, you accursed fiend, you are depriving us of the present life, but the king of the world will raise us up to live again forever. It is for his laws that we are dying. And after him, the third suffered the cruel sport, and he put out his tongue at once when told to do so, and bravely held out his hands. As he spoke these noble words, it was from heaven that I received these for the sake of his laws. I disdained them. From him, I hope to receive them again. Even the king and his attendants marveled at the young man's courage, because he regarded his sufferings as nothing. And after he had died, they tortured and maltreated the fourth brother in the same way. And when he was near death, he said, It is my choice to die at the hands of men with a God-given hope of being restored to life by him. But for you, there will be no resurrection to life. That is powerful. That is really powerful. You know, there's a progression in the words, that when I read the whole thing, there's a progression in the words the brothers address to the king before dying. So listen to this. It's pretty powerful. The just die rather than sin. So those who believe in God would rather die than to denounce God. Two, their belief that God will raise them up. Three, they will rise with bodies fully restored. You know, this is very powerful to remember. Our earthly bodies get sick. We feel pain. Our earthly bodies fail us, and they decay. But we will be restored to life in a new body, a new heavenly body, that will never again experience pain that will never again experience sickness and decay. A restored body that will be glorious. 
we are often, we get angry sometimes with God because of sickness and illnesses. But remember that this is not our final journey. Our final journey is we will be restored to perfection. And we will no longer lose our loved ones. We will no longer be separated from them. We will be restored with them in glorious bodies in which we'll no longer experience pain, loss, suffering. And the family knew this. And that we're willing to die for that rather than to denounce God. Because they understood that these bodies are mortal. That it, they will die. But they understand that they will be restored to perfection in a body that is far greater than this. They also understood for the wicked, there will be no resurrection to life. You know, we see this in Scripture, and there's a lot of people that like to try to preach to you that there's no hell. They like that a lot. Because the idea of universal salvation, no matter what you do, no matter what you do, you're going to be saved. This universal salvation, I don't believe that. I don't be- Because it violates everything that God stands for, which is our ultimate gift of free will. God's not going to force heaven upon you any more than God's going to have. He's not going to force heaven upon me. That would be violating the free will that we have. Even angels have free will because angels, some angels, freely rejected God in heaven. God has unconditional love for us. And that unconditional love is that it is unconditional free will. You cannot give someone free will and then place conditions upon that. That's not free will then. Fifth, instead of resurrection, God will punish them. They understood that the family understood this. The just suffer because of their sins as will the wicked. So they don't blame God for what's happening. They don't blame God for the actions of man. You know, oftentimes, people will get very angry with God when bad things happen to us. And many times, people will take it out on God. We got to be careful with that because I think it's very unfair to blame God for something that maybe God had nothing to do with. I understand. I understand. It's a part of the grieving process. But I also I understand when people get angry because their family members get sick or their family members pass away. Uh, we have a tendency sometimes to immediately get angry with God and blame it on God. But yet we don't blame it on the right source. We don't place the blame where it actually lies. How about looking at the devil and saying, you dirty, rotten, low-life, egg-sucking dog? Because it is the devil that needs to be blamed. It is the devil and all his little parasite minions that like to run around and cause havoc in our lives. Those parasites need to be blamed. Not God, because God grants us eternal life. It is God that restores our body to fully perfection. And yet we blame God for when we get sick, or we blame God for when our family members die, or we blame God for when our family members get cancer, or we blame, we all immediately wanted to attack God. Why are we placing the blame on God when in fact God had nothing to do with putting cancer in your loved one's body? God doesn't do that. When you are sad and when you are depressed and when you are mourning because your, your loved one has cancer and they're passing away, God is mourning with you. 
Your, your guardian angels are mourning with you. And it's the devil. It's that dirty scoundrel that's smirking. It is that dirty, rotten, scoundrel demons that's laughing all the way in the corner and think, oh, this is good. This is good. Now they'll turn away from God. Now they'll walk away from God. Now their faith will be challenged and they'll then denounce God and blame everything on God. When in fact, it was those dirty scumbags, they're the blame. Put the blame where it lies, at the feet of the dirty, scoundrel, rotten, demonic entities, and place your joy in God because you know that death has no power over you. O death, where is thy victory? O grave, where is thy sting? Or vice versa, O grave, where is thy victory? O death, where is thy sting? Let me tell you something. When God raises you up, and you are then resurrected in a perfect body, the devil will look at you in complete and total disdain, but he can no longer touch you. He can no longer harm you because the devil knows where it's going and the demons know where they're going. But you, they will never be able to touch again. They will never be able to harm again. And that is the beautiful aspect of our faith and they also understood the death of the saints has imperatory it's it's obtained by uh, a petition uh, or even expiatory uh, or atonement value thus the sacred author states the theology of martyrdom and the resurrection of the just Yes, devil, you can make us sick. Yes, devil, you can try to push us. And yes, devil, you will. But let me tell you something, devil. You may cause my body to get sick. You may cause my body to become ill. You may cause my body to deteriorate. You may cause my body to have illnesses. But you will not touch my soul. You will not intimidate my soul. You will not intimidate my faith. You will not intimidate my love for God and my joy for God and my joy for spreading God's message to you and to you and to every single one of you that our bodies will die. Our bodies, we are every single one of us, every one of us. We will have that day where we will breathe our last breath on this earth in our mortal bodies. But at the same time, we will have an ultimate birthday in which the angels and saints above in heaven will be singing in glorious praise. The moment you breathe your last breath and you close your eyes and you open them and your guardian angel is ready to take you home. And the devil realized we lost one. You're darn right you lost one. Don't allow, don't allow the devil to place pain and sorrow in your life and sickness in your life and your loved one's life. Don't allow that to happen and then take it out on God. Rather, go to God and say, I know the devil is working hard against me. I know the devil is working hard against my loved ones and I know the devil is going to keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing but I will keep my faith in you, God, because I understand that you know all, and I also understand, and I'm appreciative that you are going to give me, grant me eternal life. 
where that dirty scoundrel, the devil, can't ever, ever harm me again. And you will be reunited with your loved ones again, no longer ever afraid or worried that you're going to be snatched away through death because death will no longer have its claws upon you. And the devil and the demons will get their just reward. And their just reward is eternal damnation. And that is what I call justice. All right, our second reading. Second reading is 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. And we're going to cover verse 16 and go uh, until chapter 3, verse 5. All right? Again, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 16. <clears throat> And we're going to go until chapter 3, verse 5. Wow, 108,000 likes on TikTok. Guys, that is beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I do. Uh, is it Iago? I have, it's a Bishop J, the letter J, Long, L-O-N-G. Someone stole my name on Twitter, Bishop James Long, and I've contacted Twitter and say, can I please have my name back? Um, and they won't give it to me. So, yeah, whatever. Um but anyway, Bishop J, the letter J, long, L-O-N-G. Okay, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16, uh, and chapter, th- we're going to go all the way to chapter 3, verse 5. Here we go. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God the Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting encouragement and good hope through his grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen them in every good deed and word. Finally, brothers, pray for us, so that the word of the Lord may speak forward and be glorified, as it did among you, and that we may be delivered from perverse and wicked people, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. We are confident of you in the Lord that we instruct you both are doing and will continue to do so. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the endurance of Christ. If we are masked, we'd say the word of the Lord. Okay, let me explain this a little bit. For those of you who are, uh, keep please understand, um, I'll get your questions at the top of the hour, but right now I'm kind of focusing on Bible study because a lot of people are asking questions but just, just bear with me uh, for the first hour. And then on, on the top of the hour, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about uh, All Souls Day and, and what, what that's about. And we'll discuss that, okay? All right. Um, and thank you again for everyone being here. I appreciate everybody being here. Uh, if you were here last week, you, you, we began our study on Second Thessalonians. Now, recall that this letter was written to clear up some misunderstandings caused by the first letter. The misunderstandings concern the second coming and when it would occur. Now, some had even given up working in anticipation of the event. I mean, people actually believed it was going to happen like in the five minutes from now, so they just stopped working. And it caused a lot of problems uh, in the church. So Paul had to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Paul, by the way, never, ever once said, never once did he give a date of the second coming. Never once. That wasn't the, that wasn't the point for Paul. The point as a matter of fact, in the letters, he kept saying, stop worrying about the date. Paul, Paul kept telling people it's not about worrying about the date. It's about just being 
prepared spiritually. And whenever it happens, it happens. That's Paul's Paul's entire philosophy and theology is about, it's not, so everybody's saying, oh, I know exactly the date and hour. Just relax with that. Just relax. Yeah, we can see bad things happening in the world today. Absolutely. It was, we could certainly see signs, but you got to, look, they saw signs in the Middle Ages, in the plague. They saw, they saw signs when Hitler in World War II. So people have been saying that the end of the world's going to happen at any moment. That Some have been saying going to happen at this date and this hour. Look, you have to remember that God exists outside of time and space. So while we are restricted in time or space, we are waiting. But in God, you see, it's, it's a blink, a blink of an eye because time and space doesn't exist because God exists outside of it. So it will happen when it happens. And we don't have to worry about the date. So some, like I said, some even in Thessalonians, some people just gave up work because they thought it was going to happen at any moment. So Paul wrote to assure them that no one knew when it would occur and that they were to keep on working until the end. And today we hear Paul's prayer for strengthening. I think a lot of people who are prophets uh, need to really listen to Paul and read it for the love of God. Read Paul's letters. Because if you're going to sit there and tell people, you know, when the end of the world's going to come, you're a liar. Plain and simple. Look, you're a liar. Plain and simple. I, I'm, I'm, I, they're just liars. Because either they're calling Jesus a liar and Paul, or they're a liar. Well, I'm not going to believe Jesus is a liar. I'm not going to believe Paul's a liar. People who, who do this, they purposely mislead people. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. They tell you to go, how many times have I said that? They tell you to go donate to, the, to their cause, and then they tell you the world's going to come to an end next week. Well, if the world's coming to an end to next week, why do they need to buy your book? Hello? I mean, it's not that hard. <laughs> if the world's going to come to, a, to an end next week, they probably wouldn't get your book by the end of the time. I mean, think about that. I mean, it takes them a couple days to, to, to get the book. So what's the point of selling a book? I mean, seriously, what, that, it's just it's ridiculous. If, if, if the world's, if I tell you I'm a prophet in the world and Jesus told me that the world's, well, if Jesus told you that the world's going to come to an end, then Jesus has lied because Jesus said no man knows the hour or time. Now all of a sudden Jesus is, see, you're, call, you're calling Christ a liar. I'm not, I would not call Christ a liar. It's very clear. Jesus made it abundantly clear. No man knows, only the father, not even the angels. Paul even made it very clear. Stop worrying about the date. And yet, 2,000 years ago, what's so fascinating about it, 2,000 years ago, they were dealing with this same nonsense that we're dealing with today. I'm a prophet for God, and I'm telling you that I have deconstructed the Bible. I sure have. I did. I did. I just closed my eyes like that, and it's gotten deconstructed. And and, and I finally, oh, Jesus, oh, yes, the world's coming to an end, December 15, 2022. That's what Jesus just told me because I'm a prophet of God. Now go to my website and give me some money. Oh, what are you going to do with that money, sunshine, December 15th? You see, it's a big money-making scheme. That's all it is. It's a big money-making lying scheme. It's about one thing and one thing only. It is about padding the pocketbook of these scammers. But I, 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 look, I don't care if people like it or not. If they're going to call themselves a Christian, then you're not going to be able to sit there and tell us you know the date and time because then you're telling us that Jesus Christ is a liar. Well, that doesn't make you a Christian then. That makes you a fraud. 
And again, that, that's just the way it goes. And, I, and you're right. I don't sugarcoat things because I don't like people doing this because it's fraud. It is fraud. It's about one thing, glorifying the almighty dollar. That's all it's about. Glorifying the almighty buck. How much money can I make to scare the hell out of you? Because that's, that's what it is. I want to scare you by telling you that I know because I am a prophet of God. And, God, and I, look, I'm not saying people don't have the gift of prophecy. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that people who have a true, genuine gift of prophecy, they're not going to tell you, I know the date and time when the end's going to come, and you don't. That's called Gnosticism. So Jesus is going to, for the billions of people in this world, Jesus has chosen this one person in all the entire world to know this special event. And Jesus is going to be okay with that person also telling you, and go to my website and don't forget to donate $19.99 to receive my book. Come on. Come on, folks. I mean, you, you, it, it's not even logical. It's not even logical. It's ridiculous. Okay, so again, Paul had dealt with this nonsense, and we're just like we're dealing with it now. So it says here, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God, our Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting encouragement and good hope through his grace. Paul is, Paul is stressing. He's really stressing here the gratuity of the gift. The gift is freely given to those who will accept it. And it says, 17, encourage your hearts, strengthen them in every good deed and word. Finally, brothers, pray for us so that the word of the Lord may speed forward and be glorified as it did among you. You know, uh, and how did the word, okay, and how did the word of the Lord speed forward and, and was glorified, you ask? The verse before our reading today says for them to, quote, hold fast to the traditions that you were taught, either by an oral statement or by a letter of ours. So the oral traditions were not a new revelation, but interpretations of the written word. And continues, and that we may be delivered from perverse and wicked people, for not all have faith. You know, Paul is requesting prayers for the continuous progress of the gospel and for those who deliver it. We must always pray for our, for our religious leaders, um, evangelists, for our teachers, uh, for one another. Uh, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one, Satan. And we are confident of you in the Lord that we instruct you, you both are doing, and will continue to do. So may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the endurance of Christ. So in other words, Paul is saying prayer for an increase in the gift of God's love and the patient endurance of which Christ is both the example and the donor. You know, what to be a Christian requires endurance. Endurance in our faith, endurance with patience, uh, endurance uh, even, even with ourselves at times. Because many times we're very difficult on ourselves. Very, very difficult. But we have to keep pushing. We have to keep pushing forward. And it's very easy, especially in our world today, to get, e to get distracted. We are inundated with social media. We are inundated with people going online trying to discredit the divinity of Christ. We are inundated with this. 
the nonsense that Jesus was married with Mary Magdalene, he had children, and all this other ridiculous, idiotic, just, first of all, first of all, let me just make this very clear, okay? Let me just make this abundantly clear. The idea that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene is absolutely asinine, complete asinine, historically and biblically, and I'll tell you why. People will tell me, oh, Jesus, you know, and in the, uh, the wedding at Cana, Okay, I've talked about this before. Uh, people say, well, that, that was Jesus' wedding. No, it wasn't. Do you, did you read the scripture? Did you read it? Because as I said before, when Mary, Mag, when, when Mary, the mother of Jesus, went to Jesus and said, oh my gosh, they ran out of wine. We got to do something. And Jesus then looked at her and said, well, what business of that is ours? Folks, use logic. It would take sometimes weeks to months for people to travel to your destination for a big wedding. It's not like they had gotten on a plane. They rode a camel or they walked. I mean, it it took a long time for people to travel to destinations to big weddings or any type of event. Jesus would have never, never told Mary, well, that's not our business. Because if it was his wedding, then he would never have allowed, to run out of wine would have been a complete insult to every single person who traveled to your destination. So it would be unheard of, unheard of. It's a different culture. You got to remember that. So Jesus, if it was his wedding, he would have never told, hey, it's not our business. Well, who cares? He would have never said that. Never. Never. And first of all, uh, Josephus, from historical perspective, Josephus was a first century historian writer. Do you understand that? He was not Christian. He was a Jewish uh, historian writer. He writes about Yeshua of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. He writes about him uh, being a a considered, uh, well, he's a rabbi. And he even wrote that many people considered him to be the Messiah. Now, if Jesus had been married to Mary Magdalene, Josephus would have written that down in the documents because genealogy was very, very important to historical writers. Very important. So Josephus would have said that Mary of Magdala was married to Jesus. And if they had children, he most certainly would have listed the genealogies because the genealogy came from the paternal side of the family, from the father. So a Josephus, who was a historian writer, would have said it. And guess what? There's no mention. There's no mention at all. No mention of marriage. No mention of Mary Magda. Nothing. Because he wasn't married. I'm telling you, there's, there's so many people, there's so many people uh, who, who, who tried to discredit the divinity of Christ. It's, it's um, well, Jesus was a rabbi. Oh, certainly. Uh, he most certainly was a rabbi uh, he, because he taught in the synagogue. <laughs> you could not. You cannot teach in the synagogue if you, were, if you weren't a rabbi. He was a rabbi because he taught. So, uh, anyway, and, if, and again, uh, just people are going to say whatever they're going to say. Uh, but don't believe, do not believe uh, this lie that Jesus was married. Don't believe this lie that Jesus had children. It's absolutely not true. It's false. And it's purposeful misinformation to discredit the divinity of Christ. That's the whole point of it. That's why they do it. All right, Luke chapter 20, verse 27 through 38. Okay, Luke chapter 20, verse 27 through 38. 
All right. And thank you again. We have 127,000 likes on TikTok. Thank you for that. That's very, very kind of you. I appreciate that. And again, thank you, uh, moderators, for being here on TikTok. All right, Luke chapter 2. And thank you for the Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And Spreaker. Uh, Luke chapter 20, verse 27 through 38. Uh, let's, uh, let's go into this. It says here, Some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward and put this question to him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, if someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married a woman but died childless. Then the second and the third married her, and likewise all the seven died childless. Now, finally, the woman also died. Now, at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had been married to her. And Jesus said to them, The children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God because they are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush. And when he called Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, And he is not God of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all are alive. Okay, man, if we are at Mass, we'd say the gospel of the Lord. All right. So let's get into this, and let me explain this a little bit and give you an understanding of what we're talking about here. Now, keep in mind, Jesus is now in Jerusalem uh, for his passion. He has made his triumphal entry at this time, uh, which we celebrate um, on on Passion Sunday, Palm Sunday. Uh, He has upset the establishment big time by cleansing the temple. And the Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees are all now interested in getting rid of him. That's it. They've had it. So 27, some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward and put the question to him. They were trying to test him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us. If someone's brother dies, leaving a wife with no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. See, the, by the way, the question refers to the so-called um, Levite, uh, uh, Levi marriage. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5 through 10. So that, so that the, um, because remember, women had no, no rights at this time. And so it was required to, to, to protect and take care of the widow. Now, 29 says, now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman, but died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And likewise, all the seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. Now, at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had been married to her. They're, they're testing him. And Jesus said to them, the children of this age marry and remarry. But those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. So such Christians will share the heavenly blessedness of freedom from the cares and pleasures of life. 36 says, now does that mean that you will not be reunited with your loved ones if you have uh, married them? No, that doesn't, that Jesus is not saying that. You will be reunited uh, with the, the ones, let's say that you are married and they have passed on. You will be reunited with them. And he says that they can no longer die for they are like angels. And they are the children of God because they are the ones who will rise. So Jesus answers attacks. Uh, Jesus' answer attacks the basic premise of the Sadducees. You see, the life of the age to come 
is a continuation of this life and therefore needs human uh, propagation lest it die out. So we need to propagate. We need to, we need to have children, and otherwise it'll die. So Jesus says it's necessary. 37, the dead will rise. The dead will rise even Moses made known in the passage about the bush. That's Exodus chapter 3, verse 2 through 6. And when he called, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. So since God is the God of the living, God must have sustained the dead Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in life by resurrecting them. So that is what Jesus is saying, that we have a God that will resurrect us, that we will be reunited with our loved ones upon our uh, ultimate birthday uh, instead of death. I don't, death is a terrible, I've always, I've always considered a more of a, the true birthday, but it still hurts obviously when we lose our loved one. Okay, so this is my homily, and then we're going to get into um, uh, All Souls Day, explaining All Souls Day, and I'll get to some of your questions. The Sadducees were the Jewish political leaders in Palestine, okay? Now, they were less strict than the Pharisees, religiously speaking. Now, they also collaborated with the Roman authorities who ruled Palestine, which made them a wealthy and very influential class. Now, their frequent contact with pagan Roman society, it affected their faith, contaminating it, uh, it distorting their concept of God. Now, there was the, the reason they, did, they didn't believe in the resurrection. There was a reason for that. They did not believe in the resurrection. They were conceiving of heaven in earthly terms. They were applying human restrictions to God. But heaven is an entirely different level of existence in earth. And God is much wiser, more powerful, more creative than even the greatest human genius. Jesus reminds them of this. He points out that God is transcendent. Human limitations of time and space, they don't apply to God because God exists outside of time and space. Then he points out when we get to heaven, we will share in that transcendence more fully than we do here in the fallen world. So sometimes... We can be like the Sadducees. The, the world we live in is full of non-Christian influences that sometimes can contaminate our faith. This is why so many Christians have in recent years become cafeteria Christians, if you will. They accept the church's teachings that fit in today's popular culture, like the importance of serving the poor, good, but they don't accept the teachings that go against it. Uh, especially, you know, harming people or, or, or hedonism or selfish tendencies or even worshiping things that they shouldn't be worshiping. You know, when we pick and choose like that, we're making the same mistake that the Sadducees made. Well, I'll take a little pick here, to cherry pick here, cherry pick here, cherry pick here. We're not letting God be God. We're cutting him down to our size. And when we do that, we miss out on the greater things that God wants to give us. And the only things that can fulfill the deepest yearnings in our hearts. Imagine this scene for a second. Just imagine this, okay? We're in the temple courtyards, all right, where rabbis continuously discuss, instruct, debate with peers in public. Jesus has spent the last few days there teaching the people and repelling crafty attacks from envious Pharisees the religious leaders of contemporary Palestine who want to discredit Jesus, but he was able to always 
immediately destroy every single one of their, their issues. Now, worn out and exasperated, the Pharisees bring in reinforcement, the Sadducees. Now, usually Sadducees and Pharisees, they were rivals. But the common threat posed by Christ's teaching, it brought them together. So the Sadducees slipped into the crowd, gathered around Jesus. And they are, remember, they are Israel's political leaders, eager collaborators with their Roman overlords. They're in love with the pleasures of the present world. They reject many common Jewish beliefs and practices, like the resurrection of the dead. Now, one of them steps forward to issue the challenge. I'm going to get you. Posing a, a previously unanswerable theological conundrum. Because this, uh, this uh, the Sadducee thinks he's good. He thinks he's smarter than Jesus. So with a rhetorical flourish, he, flit, he finishes stating his case. Certain that everyone there now clearly perceives how ridiculous the, re, uh, the, the resurrection doctrine really is. That's what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, you're talking about some resurrection. Well, if there's resurrection and this woman has seven husbands, then who's going to be reunited with her upon this resurrection? And everybody's like, oh, that's a good question. How They got him. They, they're they're going to get Jesus here. So a hush ensues as the crowd now turns to Jesus. Will he be able to respond? Did they get him? Did he, will he say, Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I don't I have to think about that one. He gazes, Jesus gazes steadily at the self-satisfied Sadducee, who starts feeling a little uncomfortable. But Jesus offers no reprimand, as he had done earlier to the Pharisees. Rather, he takes up the challenge directly and points out the mistake. Their idea of heaven was much too small. The, the life God has in store for them surpasses anything that they can possibly imagine. If only they are courageous enough to humble themselves and trust in God, they will soon see the light when Christ himself rises from the dead. The power of Christ's presence and the words silences Israel. This is our Lord. This is the king we have chosen to follow. Instead of trying to bring him down to our level, as the Sadducees did, we should rejoice and let him rise and raise us to his level. You know, the Sadducees were probably only vaguely aware of their fault. After all, their beliefs were sincere, and yet they were dead wrong. It is possible that some of us have become like the Sadducees. Is it possible that although on the outside we seem to be decent Christians, we have in fact cut down God to our size and therefore weaken our friendship with him, maybe without even realizing it? God, for example, God, I demand you give me an answer. You need to explain yourself to me, God. I've answered, I've asked you a question I expect. You see, that's cutting God down to our size as if now we are the creator. And now God is subordinate to us. Can't do that. You, that's, you, you, you humble yourself. God doesn't owe us anything. Nothing. We owe God everything. Everything. 
You see, only God knows us through and through. But there are some spiritual vital signs capable of warning us that we may be heading down the Sadducees' path. Confession is, I love confession. Christ left us the sacrament for one simple reason. He knew that we would need it. Remember, he told his disciples to go and forgive sins and for those sins to retain sins. He told them to do this. Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta used to go to confession once a week. Yeah. So did Pope John Paul II. So did Pope Benedict. Pope Francis. The church only requires us to go to confession once a year, but uh, that is the bare minimum in the Roman Catholic Church. And if we aren't freely making frequent use of confession, it could be a sign that we're drifting away from Christ without even realizing it. How many times do you confess your sins to God? I know some of you may not be Catholic, and that's fine. How many times do you go to God and say, God, I am sorry for the sins that I've committed. I'm sorry for this sin, this sin, and this sin. And then this is how I'm going to fix it with your help. Second, there's a commitment we made uh, for those of you also who are Catholics at confirmation. And for those of you who have declared that you believe in Christ, to be soldiers of Christ and not be intimidated or ashamed of it. If we find that we're making no effort to build the church, to bring more people to Christ, it could be a sign that we ourselves are no longer convinced that Christ and the church matter very much. And that could indicate that although things look normal on the outside, that the Sadducees are making headway on the inside. Every day, Christ comes to us. Every day. And once again, every day we must accept him with all of our hearts, with all of our strengths, with all of our weaknesses, and humbly ask him to never let us be separated from him ever, never again. We will sin, and we will fall at times. And when we do, we humble ourselves, and we go to God and ask for his forgiveness. And know, absolutely know, that the forgiveness will be given. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Uh, well, you know, a lot of people don't... Some people say, what about confession? Well, some people don't uh, acknowledge uh, confession, and, and, and that's, you know, that's their right. Uh, I'm Catholic. I believe in the sacrament of reconciliation or confession. Uh, and, um, but I encourage you, I encourage all of you to make sure uh, that even if you don't go to confession, uh, that you go to God, you confess your sins, and you ask for his strength, to help you endure. And uh, that's very important to do so. Okay. Um, we're going to go into All Souls Day. I'm going to remind all of you to, again, today at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is on the top of the hour, which is about uh, a little over 50 minutes from now, we're going to have our, Bible, our night prayer. Uh, night prayer is open to everybody. And night prayer tonight is dedicated to all of our loved ones who have passed on. And so please feel free uh, to join us tonight. You can go to bishopjameslong.com, bishopjameslong.com, and scroll down to the bottom where it says Night Prayer. And click on that link, and it will take you to the prayer that, uh, that we, uh, the prayer room. Um, 
Okay, and, uh, and wow, 145,000 likes on TikTok. That, thank you, TikTok. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you, moderators. I know that uh, it's been a very busy. Um, yeah, praying forgiveness. When you go to God, uh, there, in, in Catholicism, we have what's called a perfect contrition. A perfect contrition is when you go to God and um, you are truly, heartfully sorry for committing that that act of sin, not because you want something out of it, not because you want to. It's not because you want to gain something. It's because you are genuinely sorry for committing the act. You acknowledge that it's sinful. You acknowledge that you freely committed it, and you also acknowledge that you need God's grace and His blessings and forgiveness. And we do. And so, I, I when you go to God and and you ask for forgiveness then you have to allow God to forgive you in God's way, not yours. And, and you have to make some type of contrition. Remember, confession is not a revolving door. It's not a get-out-of-jail card free. That's not what it is. And people sometimes will use confession uh, or going, going to God and confessing your sins. They will use that like a, uh, like a, a get-out-of-jail card. Ah, well, I just did this, and I can do it again. Well, that's not a perfect contrition. So when you make a perfect contrition, it requires action. It requires acknowledging the sins that you've committed, not placing the blame on anybody else. Uh, the, the book of Enoch, that's why one of the reasons why the book of Enoch is not in the Bible is because the book of Enoch places sin directly on the shoulders of demonic entities and not on the person. So it takes the, the culpability of sin away from us. Oh, no, no, I, I cheated on my wife, and, and uh, it wasn't my fault. It was those demons. It was those demons who did it. Uh, yes, it's also called, isn't it called repentance? Absolutely. Uh, if so, but, but in the Catholic Church, we consider it a sacrament, uh, sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, but, so the book of Enoch places the blame of sin on demonic entities, and it takes all responsibility and culpability off of our shoulders, so it's like, oh, well, you know, I sinned, but it's the demon's fault. It's not mine. No, that's not how it works. You have free will. You freely chose. So that's, that's the way it works. So when we go to confession, when we repent for our sins, you acknowledge the fact that you sinned. You've acknowledged the fact that you freely chose to sin. And that you promise to make up for those sins, to do better to not only repent, but what are you going to do about it? So if you've hurt someone, let's say you've called them a name, and you really hurt their feelings, and you really caused a lot of problems with that person, you repent, but that also requires action. And that's what we call penitence. Or penance. What's your, what's your penance? And you, you know what? So what? Sometimes you hail Mary, our fathers, whatever it might be. And for me, if if someone says, "Well, I hurt somebody," you know, and you know, what's my penance? Then I I I will tell them. Then you need to apologize. You need to go to that person. You need to ask God to give you the strength and humility, and say you're sorry. Apologize. Because if you're truly sorry for committing that sin, well, then that requires action on your part. 
And if you're not willing to do the action, then are you really sorry? Or you just want to get out of jail card? You see what I mean? It, it requires action. It requires something. Anybody can say, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Hey, God, didn't mean it. Sorry, dude. Doesn't <laughs> Repentance doesn't work that way. If you're going to repent, then you need to fix it to the best of your ability. You understand? Um, that's right. That's true. Uh, Trim said he knows what's in your heart. You can't lie. Because anybody... See, that's the thing. That's why, I'll, that's why I've always said being a Christian is a noun and a verb. St. James said, faith without works is dead. That's what St. James said. Anybody can call yourself a Christian. That's easy. But do your actions reflect your statement, I'm a Christian? Well, that's something to think about. And the same thing about sinning. When we sin, and when we've committed a, a harmful act, and we've gone against God, whatever it might be, so if we transgress against God, if we transgress about others, we have to make up for that. We have to acknowledge and take responsibility for that. And that's not always easy to do. When you bear false witness against thy neighbor, gossiping, it's hurtful. When you purposely gossip about a person to other people to try to discredit that person, and then you go to God and ask for forgiveness, well, what are you going to do to fix it? What are you going to do to accept responsibility? Um... Okay, so yeah, I mean, well, when you're told, when if there are mortal sin, there's venial sins and mortal sins in the Catholic Church that we talk about. Uh, venial sins are lying, cheating, stealing, uh, things obviously you should not do, gossiping. A mortal sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit could be a variety of things, cursing God or accepting the demonic into your life. Uh, you know, practicing Satanism. Now, those now in the Catholic Church, we believe that as a mortal sin, where you have purposely removed yourself from the grace of God, and through the sacrament of reconciliation, that the that grace is restored. All right. Um, so there's a difference. So we believe that obviously, re, when you receive communion, um, your venial sins are forgiven. But when you've committed a mortal sin, uh, you must receive the sacrament of reconciliation. Now, that, again, that's the Catholic faith. Some of you may not believe that, and that's okay. That's okay. So let's talk about All Souls Day. And um, uh, this is from Catholic Online. I want to share this with you and tell you a little bit about because the church today celebrates All Souls Day, which I think is yesterday was All Saints. Tonight is All Souls. Today's All Souls. And again, we're going to have, um, uh, yes. Uh, we're going to have uh, our night prayer tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm answering somebody here. Okay. Um, 
yeah, the age to come. And so the Old Testament talks about a present time of sin, future. Uh, the New Testament establishes two ages. So this age and the one to come. The word age, by the way, it's, it refers to a long period of time. It's e- eternal. Okay. Um, All Souls Day is a holy day set aside for honoring the dead. Uh, the day is primarily celebrated in the Catholic Church, but it's also celebrated in, in the Eastern Orthodox Church and a few other denominations of Christianity. The Anglican Church is the largest Protestant church to celebrate the Holy Day, and most Protestant denominations do not recognize the holiday and disagree with the theology behind it. Now, according to Catholic belief, the soul of a person who dies can go to one of three places. The first is heaven, where a person who dies in a state of perfect grace in communion with God's grace. Uh, The second is in hell, where those who die in a state of mortal sin and reject God completely— and the intermediate option is purgatory, which is thought to be where most people, free of mortal sin, but still in a state lesser, like a venial sin, must go. Now, purgatory is necessary so that the souls can be cleansed and perfected before they enter into heaven. There is no scriptural basis, I will say that, for that belief. The primary reference, by the way, is in Second Maccabees chapter 12, verse 26, and uh, chapter 12, verse 30, uh, 32. It says, turning to supplication... They prayed that the sinful deed might be fully blotted out, thus made atonement for the dead, that they may be free from sin. So, seminarians, you need to know that. That is why we, we refer to as purgatory. Second Maccabees chapter 12, verse 26, and chapter 12, verse 32. Now, additional references are found in Zechariah, Sirach, the Gospel of Matthew, a Jewish tradition also reinforces this belief as well as a tradition and the teaching of the church, uh, which has been affirmed throughout history. Now, consistent with these teachings and traditions, Catholics believe that through the prayers of the faithful on earth, the dead are cleansed of their sins so they may enter into heaven. The belief in purgatory has not been without controversy. Uh, certainly some uh, flagrant abuses of the doctrine were used to raise money for the church during the Renaissance, and it was. Famously, Martin Luther argued with the monk, uh, Johann Tetzel, over the sale of indulgences, which was terrible. Indulgences were sold as a spiritual pardon to the poor and applied to the souls of the dead. Also, uh, indulgences got out of hand. So uh, you went to your priest and you bought an indulgence because you knew you were going to cheat on your wife next week. And the sin was forgiven because you bought it. The abuse of indulgences and the blatant, sometimes fraudulent practice of selling indulgences for money led to Luther's protest, which I understand. Now, when Martin Luther translated the Bible into German, he omitted the seven books of the canon, which referred to the prayers of the dead, or for the dead. He then introduced the heretical belief that people are simply saved or not, and argued there is no need to pray for the dead to get them in heaven. So the church reeled from Luther's accusation and reformed its practice of selling indulgences. However, it reemphasized the biblical and traditional practice of praying for the departed and the importance of such prayers. All Souls Day is celebrated in much of the Western world on November the 2nd, which is today. Other rites have their own celebrations. The Eastern Orthodox, by the way, church have, uh, has had several such days throughout the year, mostly on Saturdays. All Souls Day is not a holy day of obligation. Uh, It should not be confused with All Saints Day, which is a holy day of obligation. And many, by the way, uh, many cultures uh, also mark the day differently. In North America, Americans may say extra prayers or light candles, you know, for the departed. 
in parts actually of Latin America, families visit the graves of their ancestors, sometimes leave food offerings for the departed. Now, All Souls Day commemorates the faithful departed. So in Western Christianity, this day is observed principally in the Catholic Church. Again, some Anglican churches and old Catholic churches celebrate it. Uh, the Roman Catholic celebration is associated with a doctrine that the souls of the faithful who, who at death had not been cleansed from the temporal punishment due to venial sins and from attachments to mortal sins cannot immediately attain the, beat, the, the vision of, of heaven. This is why we as Catholics, we also uh, offer the sacrament of uh, extreme unction or last rites. So in other words, when they died, they had not yet attained full sanctification and moral perfection. It's a requirement for entrance to heaven because obviously God being a pure soul, we cannot unite with God with the taint of sin upon our soul. And so the sanctification is carried out um, through in, at we, what we believe is in purgatory. Now, for those of you who are interested, the official name of the celebration in the Roman Rite Liturgy of the Roman Catholic Church is the Commemoration of All the Faithful Departed. And another popular name uh, in English is Feast of All Souls. Now, in some other languages, the celebration, not necessarily on the same date, is also known as the Day of the Dead. Uh, and there's a lot, uh, De los Muertos in, in Spanish also. Uh, the Western celebration of All Souls Day, uh, Dia, well, actually it's uh, Dia de los, de los Muertos, the Western celebration of All Souls Day is on November 2nd and follows, all, of course, then All Saints Day, uh, which is prior. Um if November 2nd falls on a Saturday, the Mass is of all souls, but the office is set on that Sunday. So tonight, uh, we're going to be celebrating All Souls Day, which again, for those of, you know, if you've had family members who have passed on, please you know join us today. Um, we're going to be at 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is our, um, that's going to be our time where we get together and celebrate that. Um it is. It's All Souls, All Saints Day. We do that. We did that yesterday, and then on November the first, it's always all. Let me just let me explain this a little bit. Give you a little bit of understanding on 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 this. Listen to this. Okay, listen to this, everybody. One day, a U.S. senator suddenly and tragically died, and he went up to the heavenly gates and met Saint Peter. Well, Saint Peter greeted him by saying, "Welcome, sir." We don't see so many high-ranking officials here, and we have some different rules for you. We need you to spend a day in hell and a day in heaven, and then choose where you'd like to spend all eternity. The senator said, St. Peter, I already know that I want to be in heaven forever. St. Peter said, please just follow our rules. The senator agreed and was taken to an elevator that went down, down, down to hell. Well, the doors opened, and the senator saw a beautiful golf course and a clubhouse. All of his friends were there, dressed beautifully, eating caviar, of course, drinking champagne, dancing, having a great time. The devil was even friendly. After 24 hours of a great time, the senator got back into the elevator and he's like, oh, I guess I got to go to heaven. So he went up to heaven. And when the elevator doors opened up to heaven, he saw angels and saints, heard beautiful hymns, felt very much at peace. He spent 24 hours there, and then he met up with St. Peter again. Well, St. Peter said, so, you've been to heaven, you've been to hell. So what is your choice? 
the senator said, you know, I never thought I would say this, but I'd rather be in hell. So the elevator took him back down to hell for eternity. And when the doors opened, hell looked like a dump. There was garbage everywhere. His friends were all wearing rags and were miserable, screaming in pain, smelled horrible. He walked over to the devil who was smiling and smirking. He said, I don't understand. Yesterday, this was a gorgeous golf course with champagne and caviar. Today, it's a dump. And the devil put his arm around him and said, oh, yeah, yesterday we were campaigning. Today, you voted. You know, there are only two final destinations, whether people like it or not, whether they want to accept it or not. There's two destinations, period, not the end. What People can sit here and you can try to deny it all you want to. We have 2,000 years of church history, plus prior history to that. There are two destinations you're going to go to, and Jesus even talked about both. So if, you're, if you don't believe that both exist, and you're causing Jesus a liar. Jesus mentions Gehenna. Jesus mentions heaven. Two places. Either we go to heaven, or we go to hell. The church has long taught that after death, those not quite ready for heaven may need some further purification. This has sometimes been called purgatory. But we might have a false picture of purgatory. It's, it's, it's not some flaming construction camp on the outskirts of hell. It's not God's last chance to make us suffer. Purgatory is not a destination, folks. No one spends eternity in purgatory. It isn't really a place at all, but a process. It's a stopping point on the way. Purgatory is the mudroom of heaven. It's the saint's finishing school, if you will. Uh, Pope John Paul said, before entering the perfect glory of heaven, every trace of attachment to evil must be eliminated. Every imperfection of the soul corrected. Those who, after death, exist in a state of purification are already in the love of Christ, who removes from them the remnants of imperfection. Now, we might wonder, was there pain in purgatory? Well, C.S. Lewis said this, if there's pain in purgatory, it's the pain of having Christ so near, but still something holding us back. So, And so today we remember those who have passed on. And every time we celebrate the Eucharist, we remember others who have died too. You know the words as well as I do when the priest says, remember our brothers and sisters who've gone to the rest in hope of rising again. Bring them and all the departed into the light of your presence. Isn't that beautiful? That's what we say at Mass. We remember all our brothers and sisters in Christ, and not only them, but all the departed, everyone who's died. And we pray that through the mercy and love of God, every one of them will enjoy the light of peace of God forever. But yet, losing a loved one is difficult. Most of us have experienced the loss of a loved one. The pain in our hearts remains until we're finally united with them. And when we are united again with them, the pain dissolves as quickly as dew fall in the morning. We must believe this. We must have faith in this. Look, our faith teaches us this. Our loved ones, they never really leave us. Physically, they are no longer here. And yes, it's perfectly acceptable to allow the tears to well up in our eyes, to let the streams of water flow from our cheeks when we think of them. It's natural. It's perfectly acceptable to mourn for them, even after years that they have passed since their death. 
our hearts may hurt because we not, can't touch them, hold them, kiss them, hug them, or just hear their voice just one more time. But we know they are here, standing next to us, holding us up when we fall, holding us up when we feel utter depression. They are here when we become afraid. They are here when we are tempted. They are here when we feel that no one is listening. They are here when we juggle the stress of life and our worries about finance and health. Folks, they are here. And they are here in the spiritual form and more importantly, in the fullness of God. And today, we pray for them. Tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will pray for them. We give thanks to them. And one day, one day, as God is my witness, may we know and believe that we will see them again and never, ever be separated from them again. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Yeah, it does hurt. I mean, anytime you lose your um, your your loved ones, even your fur babies. You know, I, I had two little fur babies, Kylie and Fuzzy, and Ginger. Um, Revelation talks about how animals will be in heaven. And I tell you now, a heaven without our, our fur babies wouldn't be heaven at all. You will be reunited with your fur babies. They will be there. I am absolutely, supremely confident of that. No one would be able to change my mind. No one. So you will see them again in their glorified, happy state, ready just to to throw all kinds of kisses your way. Losing someone we love, including our fur babies, is never easy. It's painful. My God, how blessed are we to know that we have a God that's going to grant us eternal life. No matter what anyone says, no matter what the naysayers say, it doesn't change the fact that God loves you unconditionally. All you have to do is love God back. All right, my friends, I'm going to, um, oh, absolutely, yeah, I, I believe our fur babies can absolutely come to uh, to visit us just like our loved ones do. Yeah, I, I have uh, Fuzzy, God love him. He was my, he was a, he was a schnauzer. And Fuzzy liked the girls. I will tell you, he liked the girls. He loved Miss Wilma. I mean, I think he loved Miss Wilma a bit too much. Um, God love her. She, Fuzzy was just, such a beautiful soul, such a beautiful soul, and um, uh, he liked Miss. He liked Miss Wilma's ears. <laughs> uh, he 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 just um, he just wanted to know. He just wanted Miss Wilma to know that hey hey uh, he was there, and um, 
he's going to show you a bunch of kisses and love, and he did, and he did. This is, uh, that's Mr. Fuzzy. Uh, he was under the blanket then. Uh, he didn't want to get up that morning. Uh, he was just looking at me like, uh, can I help you? You know, because it was time to get up, and he was like, mm, no, I don't think so. Uh, that's one of my favorite pictures of Fuzz. So there he is. And uh, he he was a very, very loving, very loving dog. Um, and then, of course, this was Miss Kylie. She was a toy schnauzer. And she was a, a spoiled little thing. Boy, was she spoiled. But Fuzzy, I mean, you can just tell. I mean, when you look at Fuzzy, and even Kylie, but when you look at that, that just, that dog, right, you can, there's a, that's a, that's a sweet soul. Uh, I truly believe that, um, I mean, that is just a sweet, sweet soul. And he was. And uh, so I w- I'm convinced without question that we will be reunited again with our little fur babies. And when we do, we will never have to worry again. And, and, and what a blessing it is that, yeah, we, we, we lose our loved ones. You know, we may lose our loved ones, but they're not gone. They're, they're not gone. We, we'll, we'll be reunited with them. And I'm absolutely 100% convinced of that. 100% convinced. So, um, yeah, yeah, he was a, he was a sweetie. Um, okay, wow, holy moly, I just noted 220,000 likes tonight on TikTok. That is insane. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. And thank you. Very nice of you. For those of you on Spreaker, I'm going to say goodnight to you guys. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.